Chapter One of Molly Brown's Sophomore Days. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Debbie R. Baker Robinson. Molly Brown's Sophomore Days by Nell Speed. The Return of the Wanderers. I never thought I could be so glad to be anywhere except home, thought Molly Brown as she swung off the bus, and, seizing her suitcase, ran into Queen's Cottage without so much as ringing the bell. Two juniors, whom Molly had known only by sight the year before, and several freshmen, had been in the Wellington omnibus. No one in whom she could confide her enthusiasm as the bus turned a bend in the road and Wellington's towers came into view. Molly! Molly! cried a voice from somewhere in the upper regions of Queens, and down three flights of stairs rushed a wild figure, her fluffy light brown hair standing out all over her head, and her voluminous kimono sailing behind her like the tail of a kite. Oh, Judy, it's good to see you again, cried Molly, and the two girls were instantly folded in each other's arms in a long, loving embrace. You remind me strongly of Meg Merrilies, continued Molly, holding her friend off at arm's length and giving her a joyful little shake. You look as if you had been running over the moors in the wind. You'd think I was a bit daffy if you could see my room, replied Julia Keene, who, those of you who have met her in an earlier story will recall, was nicknamed Judy by her friends. I'm unpacking. It looks like the world in the era of chaos. Mountains of clothes and islands of shoes and archipelagos of hats all jumbled into a hopeless mass. But never mind that now. Let's talk about each other. Come on upstairs. Your room's ready. I looked in half an hour ago. You've got new wallpaper and a fresh coat of paint. That's because you are one of Mrs. Markham's little pets. Really? cried Molly, delighted. How charmed Nance will be. And I've brought some white dimity curtains with ruffled edges to hang at the windows. I made them last summer when it was ninety-eight in the shade. Where is Nance, by the way? And where are all the Queen's girls, and what new ones are here? One at a time, Miss Brown, laughed Judy, following Molly up to the third story and into the large room shared by Molly and her friend Nance Oldham. How sweet it's going to look, cried Molly, clasping her hands and gazing around her with all the ardor of a returned wanderer. But where is Nance? Judy's face became very grave. Is it possible you haven't heard the news about Nance? she said. Judy, what do you mean? cried Molly, taking off her hat and running her fingers through her rumpled auburn hair, a trick she had when she was excited and overwrought. Now, tell me at once what has happened to Nance. How could you have kept it from me? Dear old Nance. Judy blew her nose violently. Why don't you answer me, Judy? Isn't Nance coming back? I haven't heard from her for weeks. Oh, do tell me. I'm going to tell you in a minute, answered Judy. I can't blow my nose and talk at the same time. It's a physical impossibility. I've got a wretched cold, you see. I'm afraid it's going into influenza. Julia Keene, you are keeping something from me. I don't care a rap about your nose. Isn't Nance coming back? Molly almost fell on her knees in the excess of her anxiety. Judy turned her face away from those appealing blue eyes and coughed a forced throaty cough. Suppose I should say she wasn't coming back, Molly. Would you mind it? Would I mind it? repeated Molly, her eyes filling with tears. Suddenly the closet door was flung open and out rushed Nance. 
oh molly forgive me she cried throwing her arms around her roommate's neck judy thought it would be a good practical joke but i couldn't stand the deception any longer it was worth it though if only to know you would miss me miss you exclaimed molly i should think i would judy you wretch i never did say she wasn't coming replied judy i simply said is it possible you haven't heard the news about nance it shows how your heart rules your head molly you shouldn't take on so until you get at the real truth your impetuous nature needs here judy was interrupted by the noise of a headlong rush down the hall then the door was burst open and three girls blew into the room all laughing and talking at once my goodness it sounds like a stampede of wild cattle exclaimed judy how are you old pals a general all-round embrace followed it was margaret wakefield last year's class president her chum jessie lynch and sally marks now a senior but not in the least set up by her exalted state where's mabel hinton someone demanded she's moved over to the quadrangle into a singleton she wanted to be nearer the scene of action she said and queen's was too diverting for her serious life's work so margaret explained i'm sorry said molly i'm one of those nice comfortable homebodies that likes the family to keep right on just the same forever but i suppose we can't expect everybody to be as fond of this old brown house as we are sit down everybody she added hospitably and oh yes wait a moment i didn't open this on the train at all she fell on her knees and opened her suitcase while her friends exchanged knowing smiles ruling passion even strong in death observed judy of course it's something good to eat laughed pretty jessie of course replied molly pitching articles of clothing out of her satchel with all the carelessness of one who pursues a single idea at a time and why not my sister made them for me the morning i left and packed them carefully in a tin box with oiled paper cloud bursts they cried ecstatically and pounced on the box without ceremony while molly who like most good cooks had a small appetite leaned back in a morris chair and regarded them with the pleased satisfaction of a host who has provided satisfactory refreshment for his guests the summer had made few changes in the faces of her last year's friends margaret was a bit taller and more massive and her handsome face a little heavier already her youthful lines were maturing and she might easily have been mistaken for a senior nance was as round and plump as a partridge and there was a new happiness in her face the happiness of returning to the first place she had ever known that in any way resembled a home nance had lived in a boarding-house ever since she could remember but queen's was not like a boarding-house at least not like the one to which she was accustomed where the boarders consisted of two crusty old bachelors a widow who was hipped about her health and always talked symptoms a spinster who had taught school for thirty years and nance's parents that is one of them and at intervals the other mrs oldham only returned to her family to rest between club conventions and lecture tours judy had a beautiful creamy tan on her face which went admirably with her dreamy gray eyes and soft light brown hair there were times when she looked much like a boy and she did at this moment molly thought with her hair parted on one side and a brilliant roman scarf knotted around her rolling byronic collar jessie just now engaged in the pleasing occupation of smiling at her own image in the mirror over the mantel was as pretty as ever as for sally marks every familiar freckles in its familiar place and as judy remarked later she had changed neither her spots nor her skin she had merely added a pair of eyeglasses to her tip-tilted critical nose 
and there was perhaps an extra spark of dry humor in her pale eyes molly was a little thin she always fell off after a ninety-eight in the shade summer but she was the same old molly to her friends possessed with an indescribable charm and sweetness the nameless charm it had been called but there were many who could name it as being a certain kindly gentleness and unselfishness what's the news girls she demanded giving a general all-round smile like that of a famous orator which seemed to be meant for everybody at once and no one in particular news is scarce or should i say are replied margaret epimenides antimus green the handsomest man ever seen was offered a chair in one of the big colleges and refused but why cried molly round-eyed with amazement because he has more liberty at wellington and more time to devote to his writings molly walked over to the window to hide a smile the comic opera she thought he's just published a book you know on the elizabethan drama went on margaret which is to be used as a textbook in lots of private schools and he's been on a walking trip through england this summer with george theodore how did you know all that interrupted judy well to tell you the truth i came up to wellington on the train with andy mclean and he answered all the questions i asked him replied margaret laughing i also answered all the questions he asked me about a particular young lady nance pretended to be very busy at this moment with the contents of her work bag the other girls began laughing and she looked up disclosing a scarlet countenance don't you know she never could take a teasing cried judy who's teasing answered margaret no names were mentioned don't you mind nance dear said molly always tender-hearted when it came to teasing the rest of us haven't had one inquiring friend as Carolina cook used to call him when i wrote letters for her to her family in georgia she always finished up with now miss molly just in with love to all inquiring friends the dainty little french clock on the mantel one of nance's new possessions tinkled five times in a subdued fairy chime and the friends scattered to their various rooms to unpack judy was now in frances andrews old room next to the one occupied by molly and nance i think i'll take a gimlet and bore a hole through the wall she announced as she lingered a moment after the others had gone so that we can communicate without having to walk ten steps i counted em this morning and opened two doors who has your old room judy inquired molly you'd never guess in a thousand years so i'll have to enlighten you answered judy a young japanese lady for heaven's sake cried molly and nance in one breath while judy who loved a climax sailed from the room without vouchsafing any more information End of chapter 1